I didn't have my microphone on. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Let's Pod This Live. We are broadcasting live this evening because why not? Because we can. It's been that kind of week. Because we're because we're here. Because it's eight o'clock, and uh, I don't know. There's no Game of Thrones tonight, so maybe people will uh, maybe well, people will call in. That's true. That's true. Um, so it's uh, it's nice to hear from everybody. We are. You know, we when we got this new setup, Scott, we thought about doing live shows more often. We did, and then we thought that three o'clock on Friday afternoon might not be. Sometimes that ideal. doesn't work out for everybody, right? Yeah. We well, and we recorded various days of the week, various times of the day, and so uh, sometimes it doesn't always work out as one would hope. Maybe one day the two of us will do the podcast full time, and uh, we can do it at the same time every Ooh. week. Wouldn't that be nice? That would be predictable. That would be, that would be a show, or we would just record a whole bunch in advance. If you guys want to make that happen, you can, uh, you know, you can sponsor a show. You can always sponsor a show. That's exactly right. All right, I'm still trying to get all my screens pulled up. If you are watching live by chance on Facebook or on Vimeo, uh, you can comment um, and and let us know uh, if you have any questions, any thoughts, and we are going to uh, kind of respond to those. If you would like to dial in. We could take calls, Scott. We can take calls. We can take tweets. We can uh, take Facebook comments, right? I'm going to, I think, uh, will you, I know we have one person that said they might call in. Yes. Call in. And I think there's at least one or two other people that are going to watch. I'm curious yeah. if anybody, anybody who's uh, watching, if there's any other Game of Thrones fans out there, uh, I would just like to hear any thoughts you might have on this week's episode. On the, was it the finale? No, uh, no. This coming week is the finale. Apparently, there's a petition going around that like 300,000 people have signed saying they want to see the the final season redone. People are so bananas. I have, I have not watched a single minute of uh, of Game of Thrones. Oh, I, you should. It'll make your life better. I, that's what everyone says. I just haven't... I've had other things going on, so I just haven't got around to it. Um, you got to make the time, man. got to have priorities. I I do. They My priorities are different. And they're not watching a... Uh, they're not watching a fantasy show that's characterized by dragons and bloodshed and lots and lots of softcore porn? Uh, no. No. I've, I've been watching The West Wing through a second time. I'm on season five now. Only, it's only a second time through? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh, I've seen a few episodes more than more than once, but uh, overall, it's my second time through. And then uh, I'm going to... There's a Dead to Me is a new show with Christina Applegate. Okay. Um, and both my wife and I are interested in watching that. We just haven't uh, had a chance. Also, you know, you, you're aware of our puppy situation. That's, that that's our dog, our puppy will be one year old next month. And then we have another dog that's smaller, but she'll be three next month as well. And they haven't got along for the last few months. I think our listeners may have heard that. But Walter, uh, Walter Bagpipes. Um, Walter Boozehound bag, bagpipes. Walter McBagpipes. He tried to drink my beer earlier today. Also, he we call him bagpipes because he looks like a... He's just like, you know, bagpipes when they're just laying there. is like a sack with a bunch of reeds sticking out. Yes. And that's him with his legs. Yes. He's starting to fill out some, so he's less bagpipe-like. Juno tried to steal some fish from me earlier. Really? What, yeah, I was making... What kind of fish? Uh, mahi-mahi. Ooh. Yeah. Feeling... It's from, from Trader Joe's, man. Nice. <laughs> it's, what, uh, it's what the recipe called for. But I, uh, I had thought it, I had cooked it, and I put two uh, cooked pieces on the plate, and I was getting some rice, had um, some uh, little mahi-mahi and some coconut rice for dinner, and uh, I'm getting getting the rice, and I, she, would, she, w- she wasn't even in the kitchen, but I hear just a little, it's a little sound, and she's I whirl a, around. It's a quiet dog. Yeah. She was in the kitchen, on her hind legs, 
up on the counter, like reaching, yeah, like reaching yeah. for it. Oh, I was pissed. Would she have eaten the rice? And is she into vegetables or anything? She'll eat anything we give her that's food for the most part. Right. So because um, Walter has he has now stolen an entire head of broccoli, um, uh, several uh, Brussels sprouts, um, and like raw Brussels sprouts, mm-hmm. uh, an entire avocado. Uh, a, an entire potato like I baked potato I pulled it out of the oven and he snatched it while it's still hot and was <laughs> so she would she would eat those things I would say um, but I will say she does not prefer the vegetables mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, she actively tries to steal protein particularly right. particularly fish it's fish is by far her favorite okay well I assume that's the northern dog in her right that makes sense. Like she can be asleep in the living room and like I'll cut open like a package of salmon to yeah, cook. And she hears and it. she's like just immediately in there with her ears perked up like this is uh this is my jam. Right. That's that's like our uh our cat. If you open a can of anything, he thinks it's tuna. So Well, who doesn't love a good can of tuna? <clears throat> this is true. So it's uh, been six minutes and we're talking about dogs and food. <laughs> which is, is which is great. Uh I mean we we can keep going. We no, no one's told us to stop. Well, that's because no one's watching. Um, and when, when they listen to this tomorrow, they're going to be like, what? What's wrong with you people? Uh, so, well, let's get into the news then. Where's my... Oh, I rearranged my buttons and I'm all screwed up now. All right. We need to get you a third screen. I need, yeah, so I need just a whole rack of iPads here. <laughs> Binders full of iPads. Which is <laughs> the throwback to... That's that's a deep dive, man. Um, yeah, it's well... It's a deep dive. It's a, it's a Romney-ism. But not about iPads for people who watch uh, national politics way too closely. Right, that was man. That's all. That's a decade ago, right? Wasn't that 08? No, it's twelve. Oh wait, with McCain. Uh, right, but oh wait, well, was I can see Russia from my house? Right, that right, was right. But my but um, binders full of women was not, I thought it was twelve. I think so too. But but Romney ran in 08. He just didn't get the nomination. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember watching him. Yeah, pre early in the spring. Yeah, yeah. Uh, his hair. Does not move. It reminds me of, uh, oh, uh, um, Jimmy Johnson, the coach at the Dallas Cowboys, former coach, who like was kind of famous that his hair like never moved and lots of hairspray. And I feel like Romney's the same. I just want to th- like never heard it. Mitt Romney and Jimmy Johnson. Well, no, very different men compared. To, I've also never seen Mitt Romney in a shirt that isn't starched. No, well, he looks a little bit like a televangelist. Well, it looks a lot like a televangelist. <laughs> <laughs> he looks a lot like a television. Like, uh, Robert Tilton. Before mm-hmm. we get too far, have you seen the preview for this new uh, HBO show? I don't know. So I it's got uh, so it's got John Goodman. It's got Ooh, I'm in it already. It's got the guy, the douche from uh, Pitch Perfect, the like the lead singer of oh, the, the douche from uh, uh, Parks and Rec. No, the douche. Oh, no. <laughs> the douche from uh, Pitch Perfect, the guy that's the lead singer of the boy acapella group in Pitch I've Perfect. Not, I've not seen Pitch Perfect. So it's him and then one of the guys, the three of them, if I'm, I haven't like looked into the show, but if I'm understanding the previews correctly, the three of them play televangelists that are like openly, shamelessly, like taking advantage of their followers. Like they each fly on uh, their own private jet. They're called the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost are the names of their planes. Good, good And they have gravy. like these like rolled like chains and it's, anyway, it's, it looks uh, it looks pretty hilarious. That I mean, that's like that guy on the Kardashians called himself the Lord, <laughs> right? You should also shows Shit's Creek. Have you watched Shit's Creek? No, but it's on my list. Oh, yeah. you got to watch Shit's Creek. Right? Do we have to bleep that? It's got a C in it. Yeah, the the C is uh, it's there. You can hear it. <laughs> do you need to do your newscast again? 
The news button? Because you did it, we just kept going. There it is. You just want to hear the sound effect. So we're going to just do a few news stories. The big the big news of this week, of course, is the budget, so we'll get to that in a second. However, we do have a special segment in we just do. a moment. It All was, right, so, was clamored for on social media today. Right, so Scott, this uh, this story was, gosh, was this last weekend? Um, this is a, a Washington Post article, but it's about Oklahoma, and it was, I started reading it, and I legitimately teared up the first time, and so I like kind of pushed pause because I was trying to play with my kids at the same time, and... Um, you can't you can't read sad news about healthcare and enjoy family time very well. It's tough. And so, uh, as the uh, physician in the room, because there's only two of us, um, why don't you tell us about this story, which is entitled "Who's Going to Take Care of These People?" Yeah. So, like you said, this is a piece from the Washington Post. It's um, we can't go through the whole thing. We spend the whole hour on it. It's a long form piece, but it focuses on Fairfax Hospital, and it's just. It's another version of the story that we've been hearing for months and years now, which is that rural hospitals. <laughs> months and um, years. Yeah, I mean, but but truly though, right? Like, rural hospitals all around the country are closing their doors. This is in Fairfax, which is in northwest Oklahoma, I believe, right? Yeah. Um, and the story starts no, with uh, the, isn't no, it's up between uh, like Ponca City and Tulsa. Okay, so northeast Oklahoma. Yes. Um, so the story starts with uh, the CEO is calling a meeting of her staff. Basically, half the staff of the hospital have already uh, quit. Um, their computer software has been shut off because they can't pay their subscription fee anymore. Ugh. They have $12,000 in the bank, which for even a 15-bed hospital is maybe a few hours of operating right. expenses. Um, <coughs> Whoa. Sorry. And they're trying to figure out what they're going to do, right? Like, they're trying to figure out how they keep this hospital open to serve their community. The community is only about 1,300 people, but this is for those 1,300 people and surrounding uh, you know, smaller communities, this is the only you know, acute emergency medical care that's available for 30 miles, right? Which um, if you're having a medical emergency, 30 miles is a long freaking time, right? Yeah. Like 30 miles at 60 miles an hour is half an hour away. Um, right. And a so lot if you've got an, an urgent, uh, an urgent need, like you are screwed, right? Right. Like I mean, well, I mean, like just well. So for just for a point of reference, like for someone who's having a, a heart attack, right? It's like for someone who, um, for someone who needs, for someone who's having a heart attack and, and they need a stent, right? Like they need a stent placed in one of the arteries that goes to their heart. Mm -hmm. um, the standard care, like you need to get it done like as fast as possible. This the what you shoot for is like a door to needle time of. 90 minutes right so from the minute they like walk into the hospital you want them to be getting you want them to be getting this heart cath done like within 90 minutes right right that seems like uh reasonable if i was having a heart attack yeah time is of the essence yeah and and sooner sooner is better right like oftentimes you go like oftentimes you go <laughs> yes oftentimes you go even faster than that um and i haven't worked in acute care in like four years now so maybe that's even faster now but mm. can you imagine if like before that 90 minutes, you spent 30 minutes having a heart attack trying to find a hospital, right? <laughs> Just driving around. Right, or like we, maybe even a better uh, even a, even better example is uh, stroke. So I had a, prof a professor in medical school um, who was a stroke specialist, and he like hammered it in. Like for a patient having a stroke, like time is brain, right? Like Oh, right, because like the brain, you're like losing, yeah. Brain yeah. tissue is dying, and when it dies, it doesn't come back, right? So imagine somebody who's having a stroke, and it takes 30 minutes to try and get the medical care. So... You know, I think that's really. I think honestly, we can leave it there. I think that that sets up the article nicely. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's a it's a long form piece, but it is. Uh, it's very good and also very sad. But I think it it really like sh highlights the kind of crystallizes it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the reality of what's going on, right? And like, I mean, it's. I think it's easy for us here in 
the in Oklahoma City or in Tulsa to like think about. I mean, we've got from where, where we sit right now, we have two hospitals that are less than five minutes away, right? Yeah. Um, and then another three that are within 15 minutes. Right, right. Um, and so, and they're all well equipped, right? One of them is a level one trauma center and all these things. And so um, I think that is a very different story than rural areas. And, and I, so uh, 10, 11 years ago, I used to live in a, in a semi-rural town in Texas, mm-hmm. Brenham, home of Bluebell Ice Cream. The Blue Bonnet capital of Texas, also the baseball capital of Texas. It was a cool place. Anyway, it's a town of about 25,000 people, and there's a little community hospital there. And that, um, that I mean, that hospital had been the place where almost everyone in town had been born. Often, many of their parents were born there. In some cases, like their grandparents have been born there. It, if you, anything happened, any kind of farm accident, uh, slip, fall, you know, whatever, like that was the place. Otherwise, you had to go to Austin or Houston both of which are about 90 minutes away. And and I thought about that of like, oh man, like let's say I'm in a car accident on Highway 290 near Brenham. If this hospital is not here, I'm dead. Yeah. Like that's really how it, what it boils down to. Well, there's, there's that. There's the, there's the like moral like need for people to have access to medical care. Like that's one argument. But mm-hmm. the other side of like the, not the other side of the coin, the next, the next kind of, thing to think about though is what's the economic impact of this right like in a lot oh, of these right, a lot of yeah. these small towns the there's two big buildings right one's the hospital and the other one's the school right mm-hmm. like and right. that's right and when those things shut down that's one a huge um blow to like the community's you know kind of their their center like their the place that they go the thing that that kind of organizes them but it's also an economic catastrophe right like for these hospitals to shut down that's at least dozens, if not hundreds of jobs that are gone. Um, tough to find employment where there's not a lot of, you know, startups moving into rural Oklahoma. Um, so there's a huge, a huge economic issue there too. And when those people lose their job, they lose their health insurance and now they have no place to go. So it, 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 right. it, it like has, it's like there's like a multiplying factor in terms of the way it exacerbates the access to, to healthcare. So all that to say, check out this article if you're not a subscriber to the Washington Post, good news, you get five free articles a month. This one is absolutely worth one of your five. Make this uh, make this one of your five. I'm not saying it's a good idea, but if you if you switch your phone over to uh, like the what's the hidden thing where it doesn't track cookies, the private browsing, you can get more than your five free articles. Right. You can also subscribe to the Washington Post and uh, support local journalism. Not local support good journalism they're not they're not local but they're, those aren't exclusive though yeah uh washington post subscription is 99 dollars a year so really? yeah. I, I don't subscribe but it's, i needed uh, a sixth article this month i knew i'd just gone over my five yeah it's not it's 99 dollars a year so that's what is that like uh eight bucks a month or something right something. so probably netflix yeah. um it's like uh amazon prime yeah uh all right well we are 16 minutes in and just rambling. It's cheaper than Amazon Prime now. Rambling. Uh, next up, this is in your Bailey. Oh, book. it is. Uh, this is News OK. It's my wheelhouse. Uh, this is one of the, I texted Andy earlier today that uh, I have, I have, I'm up to here with the ledge. I'm at my. <laughs> for those of you listening at home, he's gesturing towards his forehead. Yes, I'm at my, I'm at my peak frustration level with the legislature for no particular reason. Uh, your hair just, is looking extra voluminous this evening as well. Did you take a shower? No. No, just stressful day. Just got a little fluffy. I drove with the windows down. Ah, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> nice. one, of, one of my favorite things to do. Do, do you feel weird with the windows down driving, listening to a podcast as opposed to music? No, but I'm also like fairly shameless. 
that's fair. I always get a little self-conscious, I'll be honest, especially at drive-thrus. Like, I went through the drive-thru at uh, uh, McDonald's yesterday for breakfast because I, I love to hate their breakfast burritos. <laughs> they're, they're never as good as I think they're going to be, but I keep eating them. And whenever I get there, I, like, hit pause. I'm like, hi. Uh, I just feel like it's weird if someone, like, looks out and you're in the middle of something. I'm listening to, you know, I, I mean, if I'm going through, like, the drive-thru, if I'm going through the drive-thru at Starbucks, like, yes, I'll, I'll pause it. What so. if you're listening to our podcast? So, can I confess? Yes. I haven't listened to our show. Me either. In like at least six months. No, we we used to, right? Yeah. I think when we were starting out, we felt compelled to. Yeah. But also we edited it and there was a little, uh, I would put little surprises in there, I think, and how, but now we can usually like get it on one shot. Yeah. So, um, all that to say, no, I don't. All right. Uh, Well, listeners, if you listen to us in the drive-thru, please just turn it up and then tell the person at the window about us. There you go. There you go. And then write, like, rate, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. You should listen, and the, the guy in the drive is like, dude, is that you? And I'm like, yeah, bro. That's no, me. that's funny, because I was listening to um, a podcast yesterday. What was it? It might have been one of the uh, the Weeds podcast from Vox or something. So good. One of the ones you sent me, um, and I was listening to that, and my kids were like, Dad, is this you? I'm like, no. No, and they're like, and then my daughter said, I don't think this is you. I was like, no, it's not. I told you it's not. Um, but I think they remember previously having yeah like when i was like kind of testing it out so that could be on 538 of the weeds i feel like that's like bucket list but the same here nor there all right so oh, no, um, it was west wing weekly that's what i was listening to another i am choice. i am not rishi or josh so anyway so, yeah so the 19, bill 19 minutes in our second news article from news okay uh bill what's the bill number here andy uh 1810 house bill 1810 this is a bill to nope 1018 House Bill 1018, this is a bill to update HIV-AIDS education. Uh, This is a bill that's been in the works for three years-ish. Yeah. Bipartisan uh, sponsors. It's a Republican bill. It was run by Republicans. It got through a committee, passed both chambers, I think, overwhelmingly, right? Was there any opposition? Yes, a little opposition, but it still passed overwhelmingly. Overwhelmingly. Went to the Uh, governor's desk this week, and what happened? Veto. Where's my... uh, There we go. Yeah, it was... uh, so I will say um, a huge hats off to um, all the folks that worked on this bill. I won't even go through to name them all. Um, we had some really great colleagues that were working on this on behalf of the Oklahoma AIDS Care Fund, um, for which I am the, the president of the board currently. I, oh man, we were disappointed. So yeah, we've been working on this for three years. I know that we've talked about it here on the podcast some, right, Scott? And so... Um, it would have updated the language in, of the state education mandate, which has not been updated since 1987, which is also the year that the very first HIV medication came out. However, um, in the governor's uh, veto letter, like so, if you're if you apparently <laughs> something I learned this week, if you have a bill and the governor vetoes, they tell you why, which is nice, right? Like it's appreciated to at least I guess find out why they broke up with you, right? And so. Um, in his in his veto letter, it said he didn't feel like um, it. This needed a statute, and I mean, obviously, it it already is a statute. It already is a law. We were just updating the law, but what he said is that the State Department of Education and the State Department of Health should go ahead and update the curriculum. And I they, found they should. 
They should. Have they done that in 30 years, Andy? No. And oh, okay. so that's the interesting part. And, and in fact, if you read the article, uh, like we said, we'll put it on our blog. Um, there's a quote from Representative Marcus McIntyre, who was the, our House author of this bill. Adam Pugh carried it in the uh, in the Senate. Um, yeah, McIntyre says, you know, he was he was also very surprised. We had every indication the governor was going to sign it up until, you know, he didn't. Um, but in the past, my understanding, again, is that historically the State Department of Health has not updated the education mandate because they said they couldn't because of the statute. Uh, and so what I think, this is, this is again, this is just Andy's interpretation of how things are going. I think what has happened is that perhaps the State Department of Health has viewed the mandate as the maximum allowed when actually it is worded to be the minimum required. Right, so... So what the law says, you have to do at least this, but you could do more. And the state department of education has interpreted that as saying, we can't do more than this. And so because of that, they haven't. And so I think in, in a way, governor Stitt's declination to sign was him saying, Hey, like department of ed, you should do this. And maybe like you can do this and you need to. I don't think he can actually like mandate the Department of Ed to do anything. He can the Department of Health, um, and I both of those entities signed on to our bill and were very supportive. And so I'm optimistic that they will say like they might even be relieved, right, and be able to say like, oh, great, okay, well we can do it now. We just didn't know we could. And I think, I think um, Superintendent Hoffmeister is supportive. I don't want to speak for her. Um, I mean, he it, he could mandate that. I mean, he he appoints the majority of the state board. Of education, so that's right? a weird deal. Yeah, but but the superintendent is not appointed or hired; she is elected by the people. Right. And so historically, I believe the superintendent has has at times been at odds with the governor because basically the superintendent can say you're not the boss of me because the governor is not. Yeah, which I can imagine would be incredibly frustrating to our present. I governor. mean, it's it's almost like it would have been simpler if he just signed the bill. Well, yeah. I mean. That's that was the idea. That's why we had the bill. I mean, you know, he is. I mean, you know, he's a known like legal scholar and policy expert. So he probably thought this was better. Governor Stitt. Yeah, I sense the sarcasm there, but I, I, I think, um, despite despite that, I do think that <laughs> he may have done us a solid in this. And 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 if he, this is one tiny thing that I'm trying to read the tea leaves right, but like let's say he keeps doing things like this where he kind of empowers certain state agencies to do their job when they feel like they can't. And having worked for state government, I know that many people feel like they can't do things because they have been like, it's like a learned helplessness over time. Right. Right. I think, I mean, I guess, I guess my pushback would be if he is trying to empower them and say, no, 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 you can really, you really can. You're allowed to do this. That's fine. If that's, that assumes that the impetus has been that they don't think that they're allowed to. Right. Right. It it is different if they know that they're allowed to and they haven't because they think that they'll face backlash or they think, you know what I mean? Like, right. Right. It's it's, it's, I mean, have they uh, have they been waiting for the legislature to say, no, you have to do it this way. So then they do it and they're like, see, we don't have a choice to talk. We have to talk to your kids about the HIV because they said that we have to. Right. right. It's not like they're taking the initiative no. to do it on their own. Right? No, but I, I am. I'm op- it's not a group. Of, it's not a group of unelected bureaucrats deciding what we have to teach our kids. Right. Well, what I, what I told him was I had to have, um, no. So, uh, <laughs> that was too far. Um, I will say I am optimistic and I know, uh, I can see on Facebook right now, shout out to 
Sarah, um, who is one of our former therapists at our HIV clinic. Thanks, Sarah. Uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, thanks. You did a great job. Um, we have an opening for therapists now. If you want to come back, it'd be a great time. Um, and uh, she using the pod to recruit. Wow, well, no, our nonprofit status? No, okay. <laughs> it's for another nonprofit. Okay. It's all okay. Um, um, let's move on. It's 25 minutes and we have so much to talk about. All right. Uh, this next really short, uh, Governor Stitt, one of his first things that he did, uh, in the, one of the first thing he did when he, uh, assumed office was said, they, we have a state airplane. We don't need that damn thing. It's, uh, it's a waste of time. It costs a million dollars to a million dollars a year to operate it. We don't need it. We're going to sell it. It'll fetch at least two or $3 million in open market. And, uh, we're, we're going to get rid of it. It's sold today for $1.2 million. There it is. All right. I was ready that time. That's, there it is. We need to we need to coordinate. So better. so he said he thought it would sell for two to three million. It sold for one point two. I mean, and you know I, that's maybe he's a totally not, reasonable estimate. I mean, the guy's a he's a private pilot. He owns his own plane. So oh, that's right. He knows way more about the market for airplanes than either one of us do. Does the so. article say who bought it? Uh, does not. What if he bought the plane? That'd be awesome. I would support that. Is that it's not illegal? I'd. I am not a pilot and can't afford a plane, but if I could, a uh, a King Air would be like on my list. King They're like freaking phenomenal. Are they? Have you been on one? Um, I haven't been on one. I've seen one up close. I've not gotten to fly on it. Um, this if is, any of our listeners have access to a King Air, a 1990 Beach B300 King Air specifically, I've never been on a small airplane. I would love to go. So the King Air, interestingly, um, this is related. So the King Air is actually... <laughs> Um, a plane that's used by United States Special Special Forces operations for uh, reconnaissance over like enemy territory. Really? Yeah, and it's actually there's a unit that's doing this now based out of Tinker. So they take that they that little plane, they strip right. out the insides and fill it with very sophisticated and classified uh, intelligence gathering equipment, and it flies at I think quite low altitudes over right. places that are not very nice. And listens to things. And it seems takes, like it could be like takes pretty pictures. Yeah, right. Like they're pretty cool nimble. Planes. Yeah, they're cool. How planes. do you know this stuff? <laughs> I waste a lot of time on the internet. Yeah, fair point. <coughs> All right. Well, uh, yeah. So you can look. You can. There's a there's a, a picture of the plane here if you'd like to look at it. Yeah. Also, by the way, if you go look at the article about the HIV bill that failed, there's a picture of me. There's also one thing I think that, <clears throat> and I this is this is entirely speculative on my part. Excellent. But <laughs> I I think that this particular plane, it's called like the Spirit of Oklahoma, right? Um, I think that this plane was based in Norman mm. and I think was used, I shouldn't say, I, it may not be this one. So the uh, University of Oklahoma in Norman has one of the best flight schools in the country. Um, and sure. they have a twin engine, uh, a twin engine uh, turboprop King Air, just like this one, yeah. um, that they use to teach their students turbine transfer, which is like multi-engine planes mm. and like right. how you like use power like between the two of them, and mm -hmm. that's like the extent of my knowledge about it. Mm -hmm. um, if this was that plane and they don't have it now, mm -hmm. that's I think a significant loss for the aviation school in Norman oh, that trains sure. a lot of. Uh, I can't imagine they would have used pilots. the governor's plane. For that, well, they don't fly it very often. <laughs> right. I'm sorry, I keep coughing. We should call a doctor. No, don't. If only we knew one. They're too expensive. <laughs> See our first article. All right. So the last one um, is about that. Uh, this is a follow up to an an episode we had. I don't know, um, two months ago, uh, where we interviewed uh, Attorney General Mike Hunter. 
that the judge, uh, judge in Norman has ruled that the opioid trial can continue. Yes. Do you know anything else? Is that the, is that the extent of it? Um, so Johnson and Johnson and Jansen had said that basically those are different companies. Yeah. Jansen, Johnson, Johnson. They had said that the suit should not be allowed to go through because the, uh, statute that they were using, um, this public nuisance they were like this is not what it was designed for this is usually like overgrown hedges like neighbors you know like property and such um the state argued that no that is appropriate because the state is is seeking damages for abatement not compensation right so the state is not asking for a billion dollars so that they can hand out checks to everybody who's been a victim of the opioid crisis. The state is asking for billions of dollars because they want to use that money to try and fix the problem. Ah, right. Does that make ah. sense? And so uh, they said that that was, um, this is the appropriate statute to use. The judge agreed and the, uh, yeah, the uh, trial is set to go forward as scheduled. Well, excellent. Um, I know that uh, Jackie Fortier with State Impact Oklahoma has been working diligently on um, some stories regarding the opioid trial. Also, can I just say, I didn't realize that the Sackler family, who's associated with, they own Purdue Pharma, right? So that's the settlement we had. I didn't realize that they are so Into everything? They They have a wing at the Louvre. Yeah. Or the Met. The Met. I think both, actually. I know they have, they've donated a significant amount to both and the Guggenheim and stuff, but to have, um, so I, I have a friend who is like friends with someone that is related to that family or like went to school with one of the Sackler or something and like, they're like, oh, we can't go. We have to go to our dad's birthday. And they're like, well, he's like turning 80. And so we got him, we added on to his, to our family wing at the, at the Met. And I'm like, holy God, like that's, there's, there's, there's me down here right somewhere around my knee and then there's rich which is like at my shoulders right and then there's secular family rich which is like somewhere around mount kilimanjaro like it's like way up there yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> all, right. all right well on that note speaking of people who wish they had money That was amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Like that transition? That was the best transition ever. Well, if you are a longtime fan of the show, you know what that music means. It's time for our favorite segment, Pruitt Pruitt Watch. Uh, I have to say, some news came out about Scott Pruitt today, and there was a a veritable uprising on social media asking for a a new uh, Pruitt Watch segment. So, Give the people uh, what they want, Scott. If you ask, we are here to deliver. So this is from KFOR by way of our friends over at the Washington Post. Um, So there's been a new new study out uh, regarding Administrator Pruitt and in a development that no one could... Former Administrator Pruitt. Former Administrator Pruitt. And in a development that literally no one could have seen coming, uh, the 84-page report says that uh, roughly uh, $124,000, $123,942 Mr. Pruitt's uh, transportation expenses were inappropriate. That's in a a 10-month period, folks. So over the course of a year, they were spending $12,000 a month 
on transportation in what the uh, Inspector General of it the EPA It was above says. and beyond what they should spend, right? <coughs> so they actually spent $985,000, yeah. so almost a yeah. million bucks, on 40 trips, six of which which were canceled. So that's, that's the other part of the article is that it says the six canceled trips cost the government $106,000. Scott, can I tell you for just... Just for one year of my life, I would love to make one hundred and six thousand dollars. What would it be? I know you're a physician, and but you're not that kind of. You're not like a a, a radiologist, an interventional radiologist that makes ungodly amounts of money. But I, I just would like both my wife and I work for nonprofits, and we did not choose the most uh, liquidative um, or whatever. I think I think you can probably do a lot with one hundred six thousand dollars. I think you could, especially for trips that were canceled. That never happened. Yeah. Not to mention the one hundred twenty four thousand that he spent um, just to fly in the fancy seats. Yeah. I'm, I'm flying to uh, Canada next month. We're we're in the cheap seats. I've uh, I've only I've only flown in the the fancy seats a couple of times. Uh, God bless Miles, man. I I so I'm considering wearing like my tux just to see if I can get a, <laughs> take an, an upgrade. upgrade. <laughs> like, um, er, hello, yes, I'm flying to Whistler. Can you, is there anything you can, are there any seats available with the plebeian? I'm just gonna let you know though that uh, like tux is not formal wear in Whistler. Really? No. You gotta wear like tails. No, in formal like in Whistler, formal wear is like really nice hiking boots oh, right. and like, like north face everything yeah no not not north face like uh patagonia or what's the difference uh or actually actually um what about target brand um Is champion acceptable that's <laughs> more my style no it it would be um arctic uh oh what is it um it's one of the we're going in june arcteryx arcteryx is like never even heard of that so arctic Arct- so Arcteryx is this brand that they make really, um, they make really, uh, they have really really cool stuff. Uh, Should I actually, brew a lot. Yeah, here? probably. <laughs> um, but so like they're to apparel. But you go to the Arcteryx store in Whistler, and I was like, oh, I think I might, I might want to like an uh, an Arcteryx like uh, like rainproof like jacket. I feel like that'd be oh, cool. Uh-huh. And it was uh, two hundred twenty five dollars on sale. Oh, and I was like, nope, not uh, not today. Not today, not today, Satan. Not today. Uh, yeah, I, we, my wife and I are considering buying some hiking boots. I may go for trail runners. I'll be honest. That's what I'm leaning towards. Yeah, solid. There's a lot, a lot of. It's a. You're gonna love it, man. It's a great town. It's a great place to relax. I'm it's, gonna set my happy ass in a hot tub and not leave for a week. It is one of the best places ever. All right, but check out that on KFOR if you want to know about the most recent development that's totally unsurprising about Scott Pruitt wasting our money. That's right. All right. Well, if you are uh, watching at home on Facebook or on Vimeo, if if you've hung with us for this far, it still says four people have joined. I don't know if they've since unjoined, but more people are coming. No. Well, it's uh, Shelly and Jenny who volunteered at our, at our prom. We didn't talk about prom. It was great. It was. It was a lot of fun. Uh, hats off to to Jenny and Shelly for helping um, handle like check in and registration. Yes, that was a, a huge blessing, and it was a success. We raised some money for Let's Fix This. Everyone had a good time. Were you hungover the next day? I I plead the fifth. <laughs> I didn't. I stayed the night there. It was great. <laughs> I may have had a headache and eaten a burrito the next day. Uh, and so. Um, well, if you are uh, if you're watching online on uh, either of those and you want to comment with questions, uh, I have them pulled up. I can read those questions, presumably. Um, and what we're going to do next is we're going to jump into the budget here. This is our budget music for this year. 
I like it. <laughs> we, uh, I've got some other music for the outro, but uh, next year we'll find some other. We had a long, long debate about what, uh, what, what uh, appropriate budget music. Yeah, yeah. So if you have questions, um, please feel free to put those into the chat pod. Um, and in about uh, ten minutes, we'll open it up for phone calls as well. In case you want to call in, I have a mic set up even here. Um, it's right. You probably can't. It's this Chrome thing here. We can we can have a caller. We've never had a caller on the show like this. We've had prearranged calls. Hi, Andy. Uh, this is Don, longtime <laughs> listener, first time caller. This is Ben from Dover. Kind of just had a quick question. I'll be sure to take my answer off the air. <laughs> if you don't, if you don't mind. Oh man! All right, so let's uh, let's t- let's talk about the budget. So the we have a budget. We have a budget. On uh, on Tuesday, right? Um, there was a there was dueling pressers, which we haven't had for a couple of years. It was a little it's exciting. It's true. There was some tension for a minute. Well, there were some dueling pressers last week. So the Senate came out. Yeah, those were lame. Well, though. so the the Senate you- came out last week and was like. We've got a compromise uh, with the House and the uh, the governor's office, and they laid it all out. And then the House and the governor's office were like, uh, "We're not that into you." No, no, right? And I, uh, I, uh, what we so didn't I, have is the governor with like a like a big notepad and yeah. just drawn a zero on there. You remember that? Yeah, I do. I do. I, uh, I heard from a little birdie actually that after the Senate's press conference, the governor was, uh, governor was a little peeved mm. and and wanted to respond right then, but received some advice that maybe. Wait until Monday. Right. Wait, oh wait, man, wait, 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 smart. Yeah. Wait, wait until Monday. Let's let keep talking over the weekend. This is politics, and kind of see what we come up with. That's so wise, sage advice. Yeah. So Monday, Monday came and went, and then Tuesday we had the announcement that uh, no. Well, Tuesday we had we had the pressers that. Yes. So first the uh, the House. So Speaker McCall and Governor Stitt were like, "Hey, we got a we got a deal here. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna do this and this and this." And so they went through their whole thing. And then a little while later, the Senate was like, that close, but you're we... Just, you're, just, you're just right there. What the Senate thinks we should do is... And so Senator Treat, um, who I, he and I disagree on some policy issues, but I would argue that he's a statesman, and, and he understands how that body should work, right? And, I mean, again, um, this is still a big change from how it was last year, the last several years, where it was the House versus the Senate versus the governor was a, a tertiary thought, right? Uh, and so to have House and governor up there and being like, hey, we got a deal. This is great. And the Senate was like, mm, I mean, like 80%. Do we? Right. But like what what we really want is a little extra money for education. Um, and then the, and so we were like, oh, there's drama. And then the next day. The next day we got a deal. The next day they're like, you know, we all love each other. And this is what we want, but I. It seems like at first blush that it's just what the speaker and the governor said, right? Yeah. So that was my initial question. Was like looking at this budget, like cause so the governor, the governor said the house said, you know, we all had to come together, we all had to compromise. And then reading the budget, it was like I don't see where the governor compromised <laughs> exactly. It seems right. like he got exactly what he wanted. The short version uh, of this budget, you know, the. Most many agencies are going to be held uh, flat, right? No increase, no decrease. Their main, the main agencies that are getting an increase uh, is the Department of Education. There's going to be roughly like, like hundred and I want to say like sixty-ish million in education. So there's uh, some money there for a teacher pay raise. Well, it's, I mean, they, it's like a, the seventy-something million for the pay raise. 
plus, plus another 74.3 into common ed plus another five or something into there's like a couple other like small things but the, the big things are that the teacher pay raise is happening there is additional money into the formula the compromise seems to be where the senate wanted so the senate wanted to put 200 million into the common ed and into the formula and like basically every district use it how they want to the governor wanted to guarantee $1,200 pay raise to every teacher in the state. The compromise is that, is that if I'm understanding it correctly, that for districts that are on the formula, they have to give a $1,200 pay raise to their teachers. Districts that are off the formula can use the extra money like however they want to. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Right. So like, well, so, so not not every single teacher is going to get the pay raise, but like ninety three percent or like, I think it's even higher than that. Like ninety seven percent of Oklahoma teachers are going to get yeah. a twelve hundred dollar yeah. pay raise, and those who don't will be yeah. pissed about it. There is a pay raise in there for state employees. Um, it's like fifteen hundred dollars for those making under thirty, twelve hundred for those making thirty to forty. I think like eight hundred for forty to sixty, and six hundred for those over sixty thousand. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there is a two dollar per hour increase for correctional officers, which is like what fifteen percent, I think. Um, there was this correctional officer pay by two dollars an hour. <coughs> I think the biggest, probably the biggest victory for the governor, is that there is two hundred million going into the rainy day fund on top of the four hundred million that is, or four hundred forty that is statutorily required to go into the rainy day fund. So mm-hmm. that was something he's pushed for, something he ran on, something he wanted that he's made clear since day one. Um, my understanding is, again, from talking to some some folks that spend more time at the Capitol than I do, the governor had made pretty clear that he would not sign a budget that didn't put $200 million into rainy day fund. Yeah. Like he was prepared to veto a budget that didn't do that. So, um, d- so a question... Did they, because it's all just running together at this point, right? Like, did they ever establish a secondary savings account in addition to the rainy day fund? No, they not, did not. Not last year either? No. Man, because there were so many bills. Last year, there was one that uh, Senator Holt yeah, and... Um, well, it was a state question, right? It went to a state question. Oh, and right. It, and it, it didn't, didn't pass. go past, right. Yeah. And we didn't get that this year. I my So far, my favorite um, named fund is the governor's quick action closing fund well and so that actually brings up that that brings up um there were some fireworks so jade so we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves so they announced this budget deal yesterday um the kind of the broad contours of it the bill the actual bill language came out today uh i'm told at 256 for jcab to start at three uh which is so i don't i think it was earlier than that because i was just looking at a thread on twitter from cindy munson from 10 hours ago where she got the full, got a copy of the full budget. And that was 10 hours ago and it's almost nine o'clock. So I don't know. That's like a, there was noon. There was a thread from another legislature that said it was, uh, she's got a it photo. Late, it was later. I, I believe you. I saw that same tweet. I'm just okay, saying, I'm just saying, but it, it, it was it, today. It was today. Shortly, <laughs> shortly before JCAB. Um, and yeah, so there's going to be 20 million for the governor's quick action closing fund. So this is a fund that the governor can use at his or her discretion. Like, let's say that a, they're trying to entice a business to come to Oklahoma, right? And we're going to try and offer like some tax incentives, but they need a little cash. The governor has the discretion to use this to like close the deal, right? To like sweeten the pot for a company to come, you know, start in Oklahoma or move to Oklahoma or create jobs in Oklahoma. So that's. And I want to say the governor had, I don't think he'd asked for 20 initially. He'd asked for like five or 10, like not a big number, but there's 20 going to the quick action closing fund. Right. 
And that came up in JCAP today because one of the things that this budget does not do is restore the refundability of the uh, EITC. Right, which is the Democrats' big Well, and the thing is, is it's the Democrats' big complaint, but it is also a policy priority acknowledged by many Republicans. Like, there are lots of Republicans that are like, yeah, restoring the refundability of the EITC, like, that is a thing that we should do. Right, but like it the didn't EIT, come up, and so yeah, the EITC was started by Reagan, right? Like this is not some really? yeah, like this is not some like liberal, like this is a Republican idea that's been around for thirty years. And what was it, like three years ago, mm-hmm. they took away the refundability of the EITC, which is devastating to working families, Work, working, working Work, families, right? Working. It would cost thirty million dollars to restore refundability, which and is a it, lot of money, but not proportionally to the. Eight point whatever, eight point one billion dollars that we're appropriating, right? Billion. And so it was asked, like the question was asked during Jacob today, like, did you guys even talk about this? And Chairman Wallace said, no, like it didn't come up. (laughs) I saw that. Like he's like, like, uh, no, 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 we didn't. Like we didn't talk about it. And like, so you're giving the governor twenty million dollars to like play with, to like bring businesses here, right? But we can't do thirty million dollars for like working families. Right. Right? Like, and so that was a big complaint of Democrats that I, that I think is legitimate. Sure. The other thing that I think is a legitimate complaint, you know, there have been some, there's been some musings about like, well, that the Democrats weren't even at the table. They didn't even have a voice in this. I mean, that's politics, right? Like the Republicans have a super majority. They're going to pass this budget. They don't need Democratic votes to do it. And I, I love the Dems. I think they're, I think they're, I think they're a great group. We give them a hard time sometimes here on the show, but like, but you're a Democrat. I'm, a, I'm a Democrat. You know, the friends with several of them, and they do a lot of good things. But I think it's fair to say that if the Democrats had a 76-24 majority, I don't feel like they would have an equal number of Republicans at the table when they were putting the budget together, right? No, like, this. Is, I mean, that's the thing. That's right? like, like, that's like, like politics that's, takes front and center right. on this kind of stuff. And so, I mean, I'm gonna finish your point i've got a secondary point that relates to that yeah but but my point is what i think that i think what is a legitimate gripe though is that particularly for a governor who ran on transparency and accountability like i understand negotiating the budget behind closed doors like you can't you right. cannot negotiate these things right. in public and in front of the press right you just well, like you for a million you reasons have dueling pressers all the time right like right. that's that you that's not practical it doesn't work but I do think that there is some legitimacy to saying, like, whether it's four minutes or four hours, I think it is reasonable for people that are voting on an $8 billion budget appropriation to have <laughs> more than four minutes or four hours to read it, right? Like, right. a day, like two days. And the reason but, that they're doing it today is because they had to pass it through JCAP today, so it can come up on the floor tomorrow, right, so they can right. get a second reading on Saturday, so it can pass on Monday, right. so, so that they can, can go home before home. Memorial Day. Right. right. Like, it's all in the interest of, like, they just want to go home. And, like, well, I, I get that, but, like, I mean, do you see what I'm saying? Like, I, I think it is reasonable for for members of either party, but particularly in this case, the Minority Caucus, to think we should have more than a couple hours right. to like look at this. Right, right. All right, I'm gonna let you finish. But um, that's, for, that was done. Oh uh, yeah, I'll let you finish. Good. So now I now I have three points. <laughs> um, so uh, the the first point is if I'm totally with you that I, I it feels right or fair for the minority party to have minority party to have time to review the budget and debate against it. However. You and I both know the outcome would not be any different. Hundred percent. It would just give them time to like better formulate their argument and not be not be debating it off the cuff. 
would it be any better? I don't know. Like, especially this year where we're not cutting any state agency, right? Like no one's getting cut. Most folks are getting a, little, a tiny bump or a significant bump. And so, or being held flat. I think actually most agencies yeah, are being held flat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is for, I mean, just as a reminder, every state agency was a cut has been cut an average of 40% over the last decade, right? That, that is nearly half. So 10 years ago, our state agencies had twice as much money as they do now. And so when this is an inflation adjusted dollars, right? Right. And so, um, if things, if, if you are frustrated with how the state runs now, Bear in mind, they've got half as much money as they did 10 years ago, and they're trying to do the same amount of more work than they did because there's more people, right? So anyway, um, that is irritating to me as someone who interacts with the government all the time, and we, and it's there's just not enough going on. Um, good golly, my phone is falling. Um, it's making noise. It is. Um, so that's my first point is that, um, is that they – it's still big cuts, right? Um However, I don't think that it would be any different. If they had they had a day, it it would be more ethically preferable, right? Or like morally correct or something um, for them to have more time to review it. That seems like the right thing to do. I don't, I hate that. I don't know that the outcome would actually be any different. So that's... I think the outcome would be no different, right? Right. Like the outcome would be exactly the same. But like, I think the Democrats are going to vote party line against this and the Republicans are going to vote party line for it. Right. Which is difficult because it puts the Democrats like voting against a teacher pay raise, right? Like politically it is a dicey vote. Sure. But I also though, just like my point is not that like my point is not that giving the minority party more time to review it, like changes anything. No, it's right. It's again, it's just like the ethical right thing. It's not, it's not even, it's not even the ethical right thing to do. It is that, the thing that kind of grinds me about it is that it's really, it really grinds my gears. <laughs> you know what really grinds my gears? This, this really gets my goat. Traps my hide. I feel like the governor ran on being a different kind of politician. Oh, okay. So that's point number two. Okay. It's about transparency. You keep using that word. I'm not sure it means what you think it means. <laughs> and so I had this discussion, as, as, uh, as you know, as some of our listeners know, one of my other hats is to be the uh, the uh, the director of um, Freedom of Information in Oklahoma, right? So it's a, a nonprofit that advocates and promotes transparency in government, perhaps even adherence to the law, like as it pertains to um, Open Meetings, Open Records Act. Oh, which reminds me, as we sit here, the uh, Board of Regents for OU is meeting, presumably, and could have appointed a new president. I haven't looked at Twitter in the last hour, so on it. Yeah, you check that while I keep talking. Um, so, yes, you're exactly right, Scott, that Governor Stitt ran on a platform that involved the word the word transparency. And I would love to sit down with the governor and talk about what transparency means to him, right? Because I'm, I am not sure that it means the same. That we have the same idea, which is fine. But I, I think we all, we need to kind of agree on what that looks like. and And so I think... So with FOI Oklahoma, we, we had a conversation. I had a conversation with some folks yesterday about the idea of like, we should do some like town hall meetings around the state or like an Oklahoma watch, like a watch app. One of the things they do, they've done about guns and marijuana and mental health and everything. Let's do one about transparency and talk about 
what that really means and the value of transparency. Everyone likes the idea of it, but there is a tangible value to you and I as as citizens, as people who live here, of of knowing how our tax money is spent, where it goes, why it's the decision process there, not so we can like bitch about it, but so that we know because it is our money. We own the building. We own that we pay their salaries. We have a right to know. I agree. And I would add to that, that like one of the other reasons that to me, it's such a, like, it's so like to me, what part of transparency means and why it's such a bad deal to have the budget come out four minutes, four hours, or honestly, even 24 hours before they're going to hold a vote on it. Right. Is because we know, and again, this is not a knock on the legislature. This is not any fault of their own. Many of these people are not experts. They may be experts on like the budget process, right? They may be experts on the legislating now, particularly if they're sitting on JCAB and they're in leadership in these discussions, but they may not be experts on like agriculture policy and like what that means for people in the Oklahoma panhandle. Right. Right. And so what needs to happen, or I think what should happen is the budget should be out long enough for people who are experts in it, right? Like advocacy organizations to go through it and find mistakes Right? right, because that happens all the time. Like you'll have like some, you know, you'll have the the organization for you know brown cows, right? They'll be like they'll like read through the budget, right, and they'll get to like the funding for the agency that deals with brown cows, and it may say that the funding is a hundred dollars, and it's supposed to be ten thousand dollars or a hundred thousand dollars, but somebody put the decimal point in the wrong place. Right. But then when that gets done, like when that's signed, like that's the law, and that's the amount of money that they get. Right. You call a freaking special session to fix it, right? Right. When you but, rush, you make mistakes. Right. And so like one of the things that this would all like that allows for is for people to go through the budget and again, not just to bitch about it, although people are going to do that, but they're going to do that anyway. Right. For people to go through and say, Hey, Senator so-and-so, Hey, Senator Thompson, Hey, Chairman Wallace, like you funded this hey, thing. Macarena. Right. Like <laughs> you, you fund, like you funded this line of the budget at, a hundred right. grand. It was a million last year. Like, did you mean to do that? And they might say, "Oh shit, no!" Like, right. that yeah. wasn't the, that my, wasn't my bad. Right. And so, like, like when you rush, you make mistakes. And part of what transparency does is it allows you to find those things, right? And again, I'm not arguing that transparency means that you're having these negotiations mm-hmm. like out in public. Like that's that's like that's people. People are like, well, this shouldn't happen behind closed doors. It should, it should absolutely happen behind closed doors because that's the only way that it's going to happen. Well, yeah. I mean, I will say I and many others believe that the legislature should be subject to open records and open meetings, right? I think that's fine depending on how you structure it. Right. I mean, I don't want to expose like constituents' personal information. Nobody wants that. But like, Right. Like you and I text with legislators all the time. I don't feel like those texts should be part of open, open records. I do. When we text with legislators, ask them to come on the show? Yes. Well, yes. No. Because why not? What's the harm? Okay. Oh, Scott Melson texted Jason Dunnington and asked him to come on the show. That doesn't matter. I'm not saying that that, I'm not saying that, that matters, but like, no, I don't, think that, I don't think they should. How funny. We have not had this discussion. Part no. of it is that I live my life, like all of my work emails and stuff, I think, are subject to open records because I work for a somewhat state-funded entity right like and so um i tell my staff all the time like i'm pretty sure this is the case but also like don't be dumb okay but so do you also like do you believe in this is this is a little bit of a stretch but i'll make the the, i think i think that there are parallels do you believe in like executive privilege for the president 
with yeah, to some degree. Right. Well, I think the same thing applies, right? Like I'm I think saying that there, legi- there like, should be certain exemptions that are that are cut out, but like right, like a- I think that like I think that legislators, like anybody else, have to go through a decision making process, and I don't know that the entirety of that decision making process needs to be open to the public. People ask rhetorical questions. People use extreme right. examples. So make the phone People call instead of sending a text message. Like just don't be dumb. <laughs> right. But like. I, like, I don't have a problem with the legislature being subject to open records. I'm just saying that, like, I think you need to put limits on it, right? Right. Like, well, and here's the deal. So, like... Right? Is every text message that you send to a legislator in the context of their job as a legislator? With the, so, that's a fair question. Because um, I would say it's not. For me, it's not, right? No. Like, but, again, like, when, when you request records from any government entity, there is a review of those records, right? Like, they are kind of checking them to make sure that they fit the fit the bill for what the request is. I think that's relevant. Also, it is exceedingly rare that people just issue or submit blanket requests for like all text messages. So you trust some government bureaucrat to go through all your emails and text messages and decide what should be released and what shouldn't? Yes, I do. <laughs> because if it was me, I would hold that job in high esteem and I'd be like, I am the keeper of this. This is important, right? This is the same as I hold like our records clerk and our medical clinic to be the one to review like what is relevant when she releases records for those purposes. Like freaking like trust. I get that why we, we would not trust some people in this world, but like don't hire them also. And I think fair. And I think that that if because I've seen it modeled in countless cities and states that how they can do it in a really fair and open way. And I tell you what, when states lean in and they do try to do this, then they're not actively hiding things and people trust them more a tiny bit. And and it I think that's promotes a better union. I think that's I I think that's fine. And I would agree with And the, another thing <laughs> I would agree I would agree with the general proposition. Right. That more transparency is better. Well, but I would I'm just I'm I guess I would also say that as a general proposition, there are certain, like you can't always, you can't negotiate a deal to something that's really, really hard. No, but with a hundred voices at the table. No, but and if that's what happens when you try to do it in public, right? Right. Like, but I'm, that's what I'm saying is that that like budgets, right, are not and should not be negotiated via text message. Well, Have, I mean. Go have a face-to-face conversation. Like, if you want to shoot a little number, fine. It's all going to be public anyway. It's the freaking state budget, right? But, like... Well, I think they do have face-to-face conversations, but I think that sometimes those face-to-face conversations happen behind doors that are closed. That's fine. And that's okay. Yes. And those meetings, the text of those meetings, don't necessarily need to be subject to open records. No, that's... I mean, to... Like any organ, the the Board of Regents will likely go into an executive session this evening. Floor, Floor debate? Fine. Emails, yes. fine. Yes, yes. Committee and, committee proceedings, fine. Right. And and my issue is that is that all of that is currently not right. Like, like one yeah. of the one of the chambers. Well, fix are, f- fix that. I'm working on it. <laughs> um, I mean, one of the chambers archives their video on YouTube. The other chamber does not. That seems wrong, right? Like, sometimes I just want to go back and watch some video of someone debating, and hold them accountable. You seem no. like something's important going on there. Uh, no, Juno is trying to steal more fish. Apparently, ah. um, no. I think you're. I think you're right. And again, I'm not like, 
I'm not trying to make the case against open records. I'm just trying to say, I mean, I guess part of this is like, you know, not a debate, but like, do we live in a democracy or do we live in a democratic republic, right? And like, we live in a democratic republic, right? Shots fired. And well, but the way that our government is set up is people think like, oh, my legislator should vote this way because that's what I said, you know, seven out of 10 or eight out of 10 or nine out of 10 constituents in the district think. No, that's, I mean, that is a legitimate system of government and that's fine. But that's not the one that we have. No, no. Right. And the one that we have is we are supposed to trust these people to use the their benefit of their knowledge, their experience, their perspectives to make the best decisions on our behalf right. that they can. Right. And I think that sometimes to do that, they need to be able to deliberate with their colleagues without the specter of those deliberations sure. becoming public. All right, that's fair. My third point is not about open records. Um, my third point is um is about a caveat not a caveat a uh, a subset of this discussion right so when they were debating the budget today and i guess we should wrap it up because it's been over an hour now um it's been one minute the um there was a, a bit of a point of contention a heated debate concerning the april 1st deadline for funding education and so i happen to be listening to the debate about this um i, I was happy that i tuned in right then right when there people were kind of like arguing about this so uh scott as as you know and our listeners may know current state law is that the legislature is supposed to pass an education budget by april 1st and that law has been in the books for like 20 years it has happened twice i think it's been 20 years but it's been a minute yeah okay so it's but it's happened twice right um once was last year um fun piece of trivia you may be going here. Who passed that law? Who, ah. was, who was who was a proponent of that? I'll give you a hint. Uh, I believe he was a state representative, or was he a senator? I don't know. I remember when uh, Mr. Pruitt was in the legislature, he was a big proponent of uh, making this April first deadline to have the education budget passed. Which provided some humor today, because Representative Forrest Bennett, who was a Democrat from Oklahoma City, said, "Well, it's it's because." The, the the Dems were asking, because the, the whole point of this was like they were trying to repeal this April 1st deadline, yeah. saying it serves no purpose, we don't want it, and the Dems were arguing like in favor of like why we need to keep it, and the Republicans said, no, 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 this just this chapped me a little bit, like because the Republicans were like, no, 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 this didn't actually serve a purpose. This is here because when the Dems were in power, the Republicans passed, passed it, it so they could yell at the Dems about it. Which is true. It's true, but now that it's flipped, the Republicans are like, yeah, and so now we're just gonna, just gonna get rid of that right anyway the point is scott pruitt was the one that was involved in passing it and so representative bennett said i stand with pruitt which garnered some laughter from uh everyone in the room and well done for us also me yeah well done representative bennett uh bennett with the good hair so um yeah no i i I will say i totally agree that this was a political football political tool um it i will argue it it is admirable. It does not serve the purpose that it was even purported to serve in the first place. And, and I, I will say Scott that whether we have it or don't doesn't matter. This is the thing that people argue yeah, about for the fair. sake of arguing. I think that's fair because they want to be on the record of saying, I fought for this. I fought for your budget. That's my bill Clinton. Yeah. I think that's fair. Uh, it's not great. Did so, not. I did not. It depends on what the meaning of is, right. is, right. Did you finish that Carville interview? 
Yes, it was really good. If you guys are looking for, a, <clears throat> not that you should listen to any podcast besides ours, but if you have a spare uh, 49, 59 minutes, uh, go to The Axe Files, which, Hour. Is, <laughs> which is David Axelrod's podcast, The Axe Files, and listen to his interview with James Carville, the Raging Cajun. It is absolutely fascinating and really interesting to hear him talk about President Clinton and oh. what uh, what he was like. I, I listened. Oh, Bo Broadwater just joined. Bo, we wondered if you would join this hey, evening. Hello, Bo, sir. Thanks, man. We um. So last week we, I think we opened with a cold open of you doing your Carville impression, um. And I forgot about that. That it, mine was terrible. I didn't even try. It was just I was phoning it in. So was mine any good? I thought it was good. I, I've not received any feedback from listeners, but if if our listeners would like to respond, I'd yeah. Let me know if my Carville's good. You can tweet at Scott at S C Melson. Thanks, dude. Or just at Let's Fix This Okay. Or you can email us at podcast at Let's Fix This Okay dot org, which goes to both of us. Are we are we calling it? It sounds like we're calling it. I think we're nearing the end here. Oh, right? last thing I have to say. Please. All appearances look that uh, Sonny Die will be next Friday. Yes. Do you know what next Friday is? Twenty mm, first. No. I don't know then. I'm just it's guessing. Twenty fourth. Okay. Is that what you said? Yes, sir. Okay. Yes, sir. Well done. I I, I meant to look on our. I, I believe you the, said today. What's the day? The seventeenth. I might have, or the sixteenth. Yeah, that's because I thought they would get along and not have that little tiff last, earlier this week. Do but, you know OK Ledge? I just barely. I mean, they're all new this year, so it's hard to hard to know. All right, hey. Um, as we roll out of here, one announcement. That is in uh, our next event will be on June fifteenth gonna have an event called civic saturday this is a uh, an event we're hosting at um we're co-hosting excuse me at the paramount theater in um uh, uh film row um and it's uh, an event we're, we're co-hosting with uh, generation citizen with um, the mayor's office mayor holt uh, here in oklahoma city and a nationwide organization called citizen university your mic's off if you want to talk there just responding to a listener question. Somebody asked us to uh, repeat. That podcast is called The Axe Files with David Axelrod. We, I'll just type it in here. Um, the, um, uh, the uh, yes. Civics Day. Civics Day. Thank you for interrupting me. So Civics Day, um, go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Let's Fix This Okay. It's already on there. I've got to add it to our website as well. It's a free event. It's basically a church service, but about civics rather than religion um and so it'll be an hour and a half long from 10 30 to noon on june 15th should be really exciting we hope to make this a regular thing and we can keep doing it we'll have music we'll have poetry we'll have a quote civic sermon it should be really rad you're gonna be there your mic's off scott's nodding <laughs> um uh, i will be there um well my kids is a family friendly event we'd love to have you out there so um as a reminder please don't forget to uh rate and subscribe on apple podcast tell your friends about let's pod this coming up this soon uh this summer we're going to switch over to a different format do some more educational material and really enjoy the summer have a great week everybody